Hello and welcome to this FT Advisor in Focus podcast about sports people who choose a second career in advice. Sports careers typically take off early in life and don't last a full working life. So it makes sense that sports stars are having to look for second careers. But why advice? What skills do they bring to the table and how can the industry attract more of them? Today we speak to three former sports people, footballer Tommy Hoban and rugby players Dave Lewis and Will Harris, who benefited from advice during their careers in sports and are now giving back as advisors themselves. Hello, everyone. Thanks Hello. for Hello. joining Hello. us today. Um, Will, you're a former rugby player. Um, what made you consider advice as a, as a second career? Yeah, so I suppose my journey from school is I went to uni but signed for a club and then it carried on from there. And when I was playing, I always knew that, you know, it's not like golf, you can't play it till you're... 60 70 it's a high impact sport so i always needed like a real job i suppose um and yeah so i've always thought you know which which option should i take i never really knew which way to go and then uh, i was always interested in finance um stock market all that kind of stuff and uh, i actually spoke to a financial advisor while i was playing rugby and, and i worked alongside him so i said you know can i can i sort of shadow what you do um, and followed him through it, and I was like, "This is something I it was quite it seemed quite enjoyable." And I was, you know, shadowing him, and and that's sort of how I sort of fall in, fell into it. And yeah, I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. And what do you think is the link between advice and and sports? What are the kind of similarities? I think um, being an advisor, you're you know, you're not just stuck in an office nine to five. You're out and about, meeting people, meeting clients. Um, again, rugby's you know, or professional sport is quite a sociable environment so that's quite similar um but i think skills wise you know as a professional athlete you're pretty resilient you can um you know challenge yourself you're competitive uh so within the sort of finance sector you know there's different challenges that come along with it so i suppose it just makes you more resilient and, and be able to um sort of turn your hand at something if, if you know um if, if you uh you've got that sort of energy for it mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Dave, you're also a rugby player, um, yeah. former rugby player. What what made you choose advice as a second career? Um, as Will said, I think when when you're in that professional environment, you're getting taught that there's there's definitely going to be an end point to it and you need to have a plan B. Um, so I was uh, getting constant questions from the RPA about what am I doing outside of sport? And I just got, at the time, really interested in personal finance and it actually became because I was making some pretty poor decisions around my money. Um which then led me to do some research for my own, um, myself. And um, basically after implementing a few really simple, basic things, I just saw that I was actually a lot more confident in my my finances. Um, and then that led me just to think, actually, this is something that I really, I'm really interested in. So personal finance was the, the first one. And then I'd say as I got older, um, I always had an interest in coaching, um, but probably learn over time that it probably wasn't so much in a in a rugby environment it was more helping someone Im- improve their situation so whilst that happened I was also doing some work experience and I think I was lucky enough to to meet um, an, another advisor quite early on that was very pro the sort of human aspect the behavioral aspects of financial planning um, and that just kind of enforced the fact that to me like it, it joined basically two things that I really enjoyed outside of rugby and in personal finance and coaching um, and yeah just cracked one of my exams and and that was it really. Mm-hmm. Nice and Tommy, you were a former footballer. Is it a similar thing? Football? Do you recognise yourself in what, what what those two guys are saying? Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's interesting what you said there, Dave, about you know, people within rugby 
um, recognising that you're going to need a second career and yeah. encouraging you to do it. But in football, it's quite different. I think um, when you're playing football, I always felt you were almost discouraged from pursuing um, other sort of interests outside of football because they wanted you to be, you know, fully focused on football. And um, I think a lot of players start to realise that, yeah, it's a short career and you are going to need to do something after, after football. And I think my own personal sort of story... Uh, my dad is an IFA, so I was introduced to, um, I guess, the industry from quite a young age and became a client once I started, um, you know, earning a, a decent sort of contract within football. So that was kind of my introduction to um, to the industry. And from quite a young age, I could see the sort of the impact that it was having on my, you know, myself, um, not just from a financial perspective, but more the the kind of the peace of mind that I would feel sort of after every meeting sort of with my dad just getting that sort of clarity over your financial sort of future and you know for myself and my partner it was you know very impactful and I wanted to sort of do the same thing for for other people and um, especially you know boys within football and you know sporting I guess professionals in general really because it's definitely a worry I think while you're playing especially when you're coming towards the end of your career um, you know what you're going to do after and um yeah, the financial planning that my dad did for me really helped me. And, and that's kind of my yeah introduction into it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you've obviously, with your father being a, being an IFA, you've always kind of known what, what the job of an advisor entails. Have you always kind of thought that, that this might might be your second career? Have you always kind of been felt drawn to, to this kind of job? Um, yeah, I think... From probably age maybe twenty one, twenty two, it was definitely in the back of my back of my mind that you know once football does finish, um, this was probably I wouldn't say a hundred percent certain, but um, you know there was probably a good seventy eight percent chance that this is what I wanted to do. I've, I do have other interests. I'm quite interested in sports science, and I had a lot of injuries during my career, which kind of sparked an interest in that as well. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you guys did as well, but but then. I guess as I got a bit older, um, uh, yeah, yeah, kids come along. You know, you've got sort of other sort of financial pressures as well. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I want to, the best life that I can for myself, and my family, and I see a route through. You know, financial planning. Um, you know, will give me that probably more so than uh, going down other paths. So that kind of I guess finalised my decision. But um, yeah, I didn't fully commit to to studying until I did uh, finish playing football as I sort of mentioned while I was playing I almost felt a kind of pressure to you know the club want you to give absolutely everything and if I started to think about something else it almost felt like you were kind of giving up on, yeah, on yeah. football so it wasn't until it fully that fully stopped that um, I guess this door fully opened. Mm -hmm. So it sounds it's slightly different in, in rugby but um, well what, what did you think an advice role would be like and, and is it what you kind of expected now you're a few years in? I think when I initially, I didn't really know when I initially started. Um, when I first started doing it with a, a financial advisor when I was playing rugby, it's a bit like what Dave said, I wanted to manage my own finances and, and do it sort of efficiently, which which I wasn't doing. So getting involved with him sort of explained that side of it. Um, but yeah, it's there's certain things that, that have sort of ticked uh, like the box in comparison with rugby, you know, it's, it's problem solving. So you get a client, uh, everyone's different and they've got a certain situation. It's how you can add value um, and make them more efficient. So that's that's why I first started envisioning how it is. Obviously, there's a lot more technical knowledge that you have to go through to, to get to the stage where you can sort of um, offer some real value. But yeah, 
So it, that side of it for me was it was quite similar to what I thought it was going to be like. Um, and then, and then it's like I said, it's on my the previous comments. You know, it's um, you're not stuck in an office. It's not nine to five. You can control your own hours, um, and you're going out and meeting different people. Uh, so it's, it's a good social environment, a social career. So so that's that's how I found it so far, and it's um, I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Dave? Has it has the actual day to day role job met your expectations? Yeah, no, it has. I, like I said, I did some work experience before with a couple of advisors, so I knew some of what. Um, the job entails um, and that aspect of it has definitely been true Um, probably what I didn't do as much of before retiring um, and going into the role was probably the the paperwork side the back office side Um, but again that wasn't unexpected like I knew that there was going to be that aspect to it Um, but as Will said it's you know one of the sort of the um, the things that attracted me was that you do get to meet a lot of different people that have a lot of different interesting stories and it's problem solving which is you know something that I like to do and it's always fun to to meet people and and listen to their stories basically. Mm -hmm. And what skills did you feel you were bringing to the role and which ones did you feel you really needed to kind of acquire? Um, The acquiring one's quite easy Um, I didn't do I didn't really use Microsoft Office for 10 years um, whilst I was playing rugby so um, you know learning upskilling on that part of it has definitely been something that I've had to improve on and just general tech um tech use um in terms of skills um that I think I think to be fair I'll talk about team sports maybe because that's where I was from but I think from from the rugby perspective especially in my position there was a lot of analysis planning um reviewing what you've done in the week before which I think brings through to financial planning in terms of you're you're meeting someone at a certain point in time and they often want to you know, they want to achieve certain things and it's how, how you plan to, to help them achieve that really, as well as reviewing it along the way and, and making improvements where you can, which I think is quite similar to, to a week-to-week schedule in rugby. Um, and then other skills is, as Will's kind of alluded to, is people skills, um, the ability to sort of work within a team and, and know that everyone's got their role to play and, and, and trust them to do it, as well as um, in my situation in the last few years especially, I was sat in a lot of um, match day boxes um, rather than playing on a Saturday, so I had to sort of go into that box and meet people that I've never met before and start a conversation. So you do develop that, um, just the ability to to, to listen and, and, and interest in them. Um, and I think there's there's other aspects that I'm, I'm not going to touch on because Will's obviously already touched on resilience and, and things like that. But I think the two main things were the people skills element um, and the, the planning sort of sorry analysis planning and mm-hmm. and then ongoing monitoring, which was um, which was useful. Mm-hmm. Great. And Tommy, what uh, has, has Microsoft tripped you up as well? Hundred percent. On the way here, I literally haven't. Got, I'm I'm not a technophobe, but well, I am a technophobe really. Like I think. Yeah, we never had to. I thought I was really good at with, on tech, and then realised that I, yeah. I thought I was before. And then... Good at like WhatsApp and yeah. text and that's <laughs> Instagram. That's as far as my tech went until, yeah. Obviously, I'm definitely having to upskill in um, you know that side of things. Um, but yeah, I'd say go, going back to the skills that are I guess transferable is um, like um, the two boys just said. Like Dave's talking there about the kind of social element of um, you know being in a dressing room talking to fans in in boxes at games um doing interviews um after games i think financial planning and you know when you're working with a client 
the the main thing is is trust and trying to build a, a trusting relationship and and trying to get the clients to to trust you at the end of the day they're you're um, dealing with you know their finances their money and it's a, a really important and you know one of the biggest things that they can they can do is you know give you that that trust that you're making the right decisions for them and I think the yeah them kind of social skills that you you get through sport are definitely very transferable and just communicating with people and um, and helping to build that trust and uh, and yeah I think it's quite interesting what you're saying there about the kind of planning side as well I never really thought about it like that but yeah the day-to-day life of a of an athlete is very um, you know it's it's everything strategized you know you know you've got different areas that you need to tick off and you've got a plan to help yourself sort of get um get to where you want to get to and and improve in each area and i guess that's exactly kind of what we are doing um, Mm -hmm. in a financial plan for people helping them improve various aspects of their finances and their life in general and um and yeah so i think there are definitely a lot of um sort of links between the two Mm -hmm. i think just on that on the but what both you said the social side you know me straight out of school or straight out of uni as you guys I'm sure aware there's so many different clients with different personalities like you know I'd straight out of school or uni I'd have been able to speak to some clients and and not so well others where being in a rugby environment you speak to so many different people Mm. you play against and with so many different kinds of characters so now after doing a career in sport you know sort of you you can adapt and you know speak to everyone where you know me straight out of uni or straight out of school you know I'd have been you know completely different so for me that's where it's really benefited me Mm -hmm. yeah Right. So probably one other area as well, probably the the resilience in terms of dealing with rejection. Like you know, yeah, being yeah. in um, in sport, it's, it's constant. You know, whether it's losing a match, getting yeah. told you're not good enough, not getting a contract, fans um, hating you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as me, I wasn't very good, so that was maybe that's just me. Well. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. But yeah, but sort of dealing with that, and then you know, when you're going out trying to sort of build a business from the start, and, and you know, prospect and getting clients. You know, I don't know about you guys, but uh, the majority of people probably aren't gonna aren't gonna want your advice. They're gonna say no, and a lot of people probably will take that to heart and um, you know get them down, and they might give up. But I think in sport, you know, you have to be resilient, and that definitely helps um, in the early stages of being a financial planner, mm-hmm. you're know, having to get out there and so we'll probably quite often deal with rejection. Yeah, I think on that, what you learn as well is you learn more. I know it's like a standard saying, but you learn more from your losses than your wins. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. when you actually lose a game, that's when you like right or you know lose a client or, or in the business world, you, it makes you actually concentrate more, work out why you've done that, so then you come back better. Where if you you know when, while you're playing, if you're winning everything, yeah, that's good and you get momentum, but you actually learn a lot more from when you lose. Hundred mm-hmm. percent, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what about the kind of technical skills you need as an advisor? So your training, can you? Will, can you talk us through your training process and the kind of things you might have struggled with and and what you think is a really good way to train sports people in, in this profession? So initially, um, you have to do the exams. You know, they're a, they're a given. And I, you know, at school I did exams, I was fine, and university, etc. But when you've played professional sport and you haven't done exams for so long, that was a big, you know, getting your mindset into reading a book, sitting down, like, two hours three hours a day uh, so that was so for um things obviously you have to get that done so you know it, for me it was just starting it and just doing a little bit sometimes it, like my concentration levels massively increase and as i'd like read a bit for half an hour then i'll be brain dead um 
and then by the end of it you know i could i could sit there for a couple of hours and get it done so that that's the main thing that you know you have to get done and that's something that you don't get from professional sport unless you're constantly reading certain things but um you know like the guy said you, you're doing so much and I, I was doing so much analysis on other teams when i was playing that that was taking up a lot of my spare time um but yeah so that that was that was one one thing to, to definitely get sorted and then the next part of the training is you get through the exams and then it's um sitting sitting in on meetings with more senior advisors and just working out how to structure a meeting because again um you sit in a lot of for me rugby meetings and presentations analyzing teams which is similar to you know you analyze someone's personal situation and how you can add value but uh, putting uh, putting structure on that meeting so you know getting their information working out what they've got um, not having it so rigorous that it's it's an awkward meeting but you know having a general conversation which was you know to these guys as well surely comes natural because of our where we've been but uh, actually getting some structure in that sort of free-flowing conversation so that was the next part, you know, structuring a meeting, getting an agenda, make sure you're ticking every box so that you can go away and be like, right, I know everything about them now, I can create a plan. Um, so for me, that was it. So the exams and then that part, just getting used to, you know, the structure, et cetera. Um, and then the final bit was implementing it then. So how to implement it, how to present again in that final meeting um, to the client, why, reasons why, explaining everything. And obviously that's when the exams and the knowledge comes in. Um, but one main point on that is, you know, you, you can't, if you do the exams, it doesn't, um, sometimes it's hard to transfer it into real life. So you have to have that real life um, experience because a lot of, especially I do the CII uh, Chartered mm -hmm. Insurance Institute. So just to interrupt, you ordered the CII one, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so it, the, the book's very wordy and it's sometimes it's being able to take that and use it in a practical sense. So that was a big transition from the exams as well. Mm -hmm. And what about you, Tommy? Did you find, did, were you, was there anything in your training process that you thought was a really good kind of way to get your head around around it all? Um, well, personally, I, I, uh, have you heard of Next Gen, Next Gen Planners? Yeah. yeah. So I um, sort of signed up with them, and uh, they've got a program where they sort of support you through the technical side of of the learning, and um, that that was very beneficial and, and really helped me because, you know, as we were saying there, when you're had 10 years probably hardly reading a book at all <laughs> and the kind of books I was reading were definitely not you know finance books it is very tough then going into you know full-time studying and trying to pass very technical exams and um so they helped me with the, the technical side of the training but I think there's definitely a, you know a probably you, know, you, you do six exams R1s R6 and as we all said once you've sort of passed them exams there's, I think, a, a missing piece of then how to transfer that into actual client meetings and, a, and a client meeting skills as well. There's no sort of training on how to structure a meeting, how to go in there, you know, to ask the right questions, to get the information you then need to, you know, create a good financial plan. Like there's, there are some people out there that have maybe created their own kind of courses that advisors can go on to, um, you know, develop their sort of skills in that area. But yeah, I personally, I think it should be a part of the, um, the you know, the exam process, uh, a yeah. kind of a meeting skills and you know, maybe you have to pass an exam on that because that's, you know, what the actual day-to-day -day job is. And yeah, it is very difficult to just go from six exams to then suddenly <laughs> using that to you know, give real life advice um, to a client. So mm -hmm. that's my... I think take. also like the technical aspects that you learn through those, the ROs, if you spout that to a client, not a lot of, there's not going to be many clients that can sort of 
understand and relate to that. So yeah, exactly. that is really important. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And um, how did you, Dave? How did you get over your Microsoft issue? <laughs> My Microsoft issue. Um, practice. Um, and I probably to be fair, I was I was going to mention it earlier with the um, the sort of skills you can transfer. That I think obviously we've all been in an environment where not a lot of people get to, and obviously. I'm going to assume that we all put in a fair amount of work to it. So you kind of know to get to a certain level of um, performance, you you kind of know the building blocks and that I think that can transfer to anything in life. So when I came in and couldn't really work an Excel spreadsheet, I realised quite quickly that I need to do some practice. So um, so there's that aspect to the training. Um, but to sort of follow on from Tommy's point, um, I think post-retirement, something that I've found a huge amount of benefit from is um, I did a, a coaching course um, called Know Thyself, which is run by a lady called Tina Weeks. Um, and that focuses on the, the human aspect of it and not just the um, not just the how to gather financial information, but actually trying to understand really what's driving the client to want to do the certain things that they want to do in life. Um, and agreed, like something like that would have been brilliant, you know, four years ago or five years ago if it was available whilst playing rugby to learn actually there's all this technical um knowledge that you you need to know and that's a, that's a given but actually what's probably more impactful from a client's point of view is how you can sort of open them up sounds you know a bit wrong almost but how you can get them to tell you what is really driving their their sort of goals and aspirations mm-hmm. um now just um very quickly on on the exams again well, why why did you choose CI to CII exams? To be honest, when I first started doing my exams, I was doing work experience with a, a chap called um, a chap from Bruin Dolphin called Jason, and um, he just put me on to CII. Mm-hmm. So at the time, I actually didn't know there was a, a, the CISI, and that was probably twelve years ago as well. So I'm not sure how the, the exams have developed since yeah, there. Po- possibly, yeah. Um, but it's it's actually something, it's an interesting question because of what's happening at the moment and it's something um, that I'm thinking about because of I'm still trying to look to do my chartered exams and, and what route to take at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, I'm not actually sure who who said this to me, but um, I think it was a, a couple of people, but generally I was hearing that um, within the industry, people were starting to look upon the CII exams as not not better but the more kind of recognized common route that that people are kind of mm-hmm. um going down and yeah so I, I as i say i'm not actually sure where i originally heard that but in the back of my head that was just the you know just the the, the go-to kind of route and as soon as i um, joined next gen obviously they had the the training program for the ci exams mm-hmm. and um yeah and my, my, my sister she's also a financial planner and she'd done the you know the ci Roots as well um, yeah so it was just then the natural one for me yeah yeah absolutely I mean most people I speak to um have gone down the CII route um I just thought um it's interesting um because especially if um you know if what what you're lacking is is the kind of yeah. soft skills but yeah. Well, yeah following on from that it, I heard it was the more recognized route so that's why I did mm-hmm. it you know um again I don't know if that's you know correct or but that's what i heard and it's, it's the one that my company sort of uses as well um but with that soft skill element you know that's what lumen provided for me so yeah you do the exams but then that's when you sit in the meetings and they sort of train you through that soft skill element so um i suppose they that go and, and while you know there's uh, we've started an academy and while the guys do their exams 
they get that soft skill while they're doing exams so that so that they're not just doing the exams and then having to learn the practical way of conducting meetings etc they're doing it well so when they finish the exams they're in a pretty good place to then sort of ramp up the the meet, meeting training the soft skills kind of thing and um and go from there so yeah the within the company I don't, I don't know what your company is and obviously i know you're a family company but uh, they bring that element to it within the company rather than the exams so you do the exams but the company's training you to with the soft skills and that kind yeah. of thing yeah absolutely makes sense um now what are you looking for in an employer an employer um good question paradigm norton would be would be my answer but um so so to be fair recently i've actually changed um so i went to um i've been at paradigm norton since september now mm-hmm. um and what attracted me to them was was i've known about them for probably five or six years i think through actually a connection from from next gen um and i met a lady called ruth sturkey um who's our non-exec director now um and I had a chat from with her over a coffee in their office and, and just came away thinking you guys are absolutely brilliant um and then since then i've always kept in contact with um various of um employees there um and got the opportunity to join last year and i think they're just a brilliant financial planning led firm um so they i mean the the mantra is um money matters but life matters more and to be fair they actually do walk the walk um which is you know you can't say that about every everyone um so yeah there's a real focus on basically doing the best for the clients um making sure that they achieve their goals and as well to to add to that we're employee owned so the the chance to be or feel part of the business and see how it's run and and have a say in and have a say in how it's run as well is an important is an important aspect to me now um and we're a b corp organization so it kind of ticked off a lot of um boxes for me and yeah mm-hmm. okay so these things are important um I, i've heard that before that um for new entrants these kind of softer things are really important yeah. um what about you tommy what are what do you think an employer an ideal employer should offer you um i guess it's a bit different both for me personally because obviously i've moved into the family sort of business so i've never really been in a position where i'm um yeah i had to really actively think about you know compare different employers but i would say you know i don't know about you guys but i would always want a a clear sort of progression route you yeah. know f- like through the company and um i think that's that's quite important to myself you know i'm i'm an ambitious person i'm sure you guys are as well and um yeah i'm not sure what your the companies you guys work for um sort of have in place but i think that's something that i would definitely always look for if i'm if i was to be joining a bigger company that i would you know have sort of clear kind of goals and targets that you know if yeah. you meet you can see that you're going to be you know, progressing through and um i think for me personally it's i quite enjoy the business side of it as well so uh thought of you know running a business myself um obviously my dad is the um you know the director of our business at the minute but you know one day i'd like to think that i can sort of step into that role and that's something that appeals to me about financial planning as well the whole kind of running the business side of it too mm-hmm. okay interesting what about you um well i know you you work for lumen which is quite a big uh, financial advice firm yeah exactly um i think you know lumen um sort of put me through a lot of my uh, soft skills training like the meeting so that's where i i learned i learned you sort of you know how to conduct them and and for me yeah it's you know it's the company I'm at it's uh, it's that progression path to follow on from that you know you can see there's a clear um route for for the next level keep moving up um and it's quite it's quite with the company I'm at Lumen it's quite a good family environment so it's it's flexible for for your needs so you know 
you can work from home. Obviously, COVID changed a lot of things around around the world, but um, you know, you, you can you can sort of map out your own hours as well. And also, just I did quite a lot with the two directors, um, or two of the directors, uh, Martin Carter and John Hussey, and and that's what I did a lot of my sort of soft skills meeting development. So sitting with them, um, and and a financial planning manager called Joe Fisher, and just you know, their their view on how to connect me, how to speak to people was was different. To, back to your original question, was what I thought a financial advisor did. You know, they're more. I suppose I thought it was like just it was relaxed as real life people, you know, you don't, um, one thing Martin says is, you know, I'd never speak, speak to my friend and say, look, you need advice. Like he'd want them to do a good job. So he'd want them to come to him is that kind of mindset. So that kind of, um, being in that environment really helped me and, and mm -hmm. get my head around the role. And yeah, it's, um, it's that progression and, and the sort of, um, the family environment that it's set is, it's a really comfortable place to be. And, um, and, and you're just seeing that, you know, especially when the company's growing and doing well, it, it's it's a really exciting place to be. So mm -hmm. for me, that that's really important. Mm -hmm. Great. OK, um, we're almost out of time, but just one more question. It's quite a big one, I suppose, for this industry anyway. Um, so the advice industry obviously needs young talent. Um, how can you get more sports people involved? Yeah, I think um, well, when I... I got involved with someone coming and speaking to the club. So it's going around clubs, speaking to the players. And that's whether it's offering them advice if they need, you know, want some, but like Dave said, he wanted to manage his uh, own finances initially. There might be a lot of players, but like, you know, I want someone to do that for me. Or likewise, you have that chat, you know, you, you could bring uh, players on board to help them out, or they might think actually, you know, this doesn't last forever. I need a, I need a job to, you know, last me after my sports career. So that's another way. And then through, I suppose, through agents as well. You know, you can, a lot of, um, you know, agents have a lot of players, so they could say, look, you know, agents will know what everyone's earning on their finances, really. And they could say, look, you know, you're at a level now where you need to be efficient with these kind of things, taxes and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think that's another route. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think it's, um, I guess, people within the industry, probably like ourselves really like going going into to rugby clubs football clubs and and getting the chance to speak to the players I think it's quite tough because I'm trying to do that at the minute you know going to some um, of the clubs that I used to play for and speak to it'll probably be the young boys at under 18s under 23s which is which is great because you see a lot of them probably won't end up actually going on to have you know full careers anyway so they're going to be you know forced into finding something else quite early but um, it's quite difficult to go in and speak to first teams, especially within football, for the reasons that I mentioned earlier. You know, it's kind of, um, you know, there there are ways that you can get in, but as a club, they're definitely not going to arrange for um, none of the clubs that I was at anyway for somebody <coughs> to come in externally and talk to you about different things other than football. But I think it is, yeah, just. Um, I guess making pe making them aware of the the potentials the, the potential that financial planning has as a as a long term career after football um, or after rugby after whatever sport um, would encourage people to hopefully you know give it um, a thought and and then also I think from my own personal experience whenever I talk to clients you know sometimes I can go in for the first third of a meeting they just want to talk about football or you know. Um, I don't know about you guys. They they want to ask about your previous career, and they just want to, you know, connect on that kind of level. And I think, you know, that's a a massive sort of plus and a benefit for players. You know, going into financial planning, there's going to be so many clients out there that are just going to be excited to kind of talk to you about 
your your past career so yeah it's um yeah that's my my take yeah great um i think there's i think we could do with sort of shining a light on actually what financial planning really is i think I mean, I know that when I first started going into it, um, a few of my mates thought it was a bit like the Wolf of Wall Street and I was choosing stocks and shares, basically, um, which it's not. So I think, you know, really highlighting what, what Will's talked about and, and what Tommy's talked about in terms of the lifestyle um, element of it and, and the social side of it, I mean, that would really help. Because I think maybe a few people, people's perception would be it's all numbers, it's all spreadsheets, and, and it's, it's really not actually, in fact, you know, the... the um, the, probably the most important aspect of it actually is the ability to communicate with someone else. Um, and then I think also I we we actually did have some financial advisors come into to the clubs occasionally and I think it's um and that that was brilliant. Um but they tended to be quite old and fully suited and booted. Um so it's probably a little bit of that um relatability if that's a word. Um but if I was sat in front of, um, sorry, if I sat as a player, I'd want someone that I could feel like I could go and have a, a conversation and have a comfortable conversation with because obviously talking about money is typically a bit awkward for a lot of people. Um, so just to make it as easy for them to, to make that connection and, and have a chat with you. Um, and I think, yeah, if, if you're going into clubs, I think that's brilliant because it shows that there are financial advisors out there that are, you know, 30 and, and under and, you know, not everyone's, sort of your dad's age or your mum's age for example mm. yeah absolutely great well thank you very much for coming in um, it was really good to um, chat to you when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.